I'm Jenny Rerick. I'm Jay Weedle. And you're listening to the Fit to Speak podcast. A show dedicated to giving coaches and trainers practical tips on how to communicate what they know in a way other people understand. Jay, we're back for episode two. Jenny, great to be back. It is. It is. We have a question today that we're going to answer from someone who listened to episode one. And this is a question that Colin had for us. He wrote, as someone who switched college majors from exercise science to communications, I've become more interested in learning ways to self-assess as well as practice communication skills for improvement. How do I do that? You and I talked about this question, which we're really excited to answer. Jay, what can you tell everyone how we decided to go about answering this question about assessing and practicing developing communication skills? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's a fantastic question. And though we had other content structured for these first two or three episodes, this question really crystallized for us where to start because self-awareness is is the root of it. We can't change anything if we don't know what we're doing. So Colin, thank you very much for the question because it really helped us organize our content over the next few weeks. So the plan for the next few weeks is to start today with self-awareness. And Jenny's going to take the vast majority of the explanation and, and structure of that this episode today. Episode three, we're going to talk a little bit more about self-assessment. Self-assessment both in session what we can look for as coaches, whether we're working with athletes and groups or whether we're a personal trainer and working with, with clients in a very varied ways. Self-assessment, both in the session and then post-session. And then the third week, fourth week, my fault, the fourth week, we're going to work on acquiring and implementing feedback. And both Jenny and I have some great experience with those things. And, and I know some different techniques, Jenny. So it it's promises to be a great next few weeks. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Today, today's episode then is going to focus on self-awareness. The way this is set up is we're going to talk a little bit about generally what self-awareness is. And then I'm going to go into looking at what can you assess about your general communication skills. And I have four areas that you can focus on so that you can hone it down and begin to really pick out specific places to start becoming more self-aware. And then at the end, we'll talk about a couple of tangible methods you can use to begin to flex that muscle of being self-aware. Brilliant. Jenny, let's jump straight in. So let's go for it. What is self-awareness, Jenny? Tell me a little bit more. The way I think of self-awareness is as a form of social proprioception. As coaches or trainers, we all know the value when our clients are able to feel where their bodies are in space, which is proprioception. Because when they know where their body's at in space, they can take more control of getting into those positions or doing the exercises in the way that we want them to. Self-awareness when we communicate is the same. When we can be attuned to how we're showing up in any given moment when we're communicating, that presence puts us in control in deciding whether the way we're showing up in that moment is helping us or hurting us in creating the outcome that we want. 
the key that you and I talked about before we started recording here is that self-awareness is not the destination. That's not the end goal. Self-awareness is the tool that we need to use in order to change behavior so that we can create better outcomes when we do communicate. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to look at self-awareness as social proprioception. And then within self-awareness, I see three things being present. Number one, how do you see yourself? Second, how do others see you? And third, how are those two things impacting either the quality of your relationships or the reality of the outcomes you're experiencing? Mm -hmm. When we think about knowing yourself, we all have an idea of who we are, how we view ourselves. If I were to ask any of you to describe yourself, how would you do that? What are the words that you would use? What type of person do you think you are? What are the values that you would express? Those things represent your view of yourself. But then there's also how other people see us, which often is different than how we see ourselves. It's very much like when you speak, you hear your voice in a certain way. But then if you listen to your, a recording of your voice, it sounds very different than what you're used to hearing in your head as you speak. With self-awareness, we perceive ourselves to be one way, but other people who are experience us often experience us in a different way than we experience ourselves. And it's important to know how people are experiencing us because that is going to impact how they interact with us, which is going to impact our outcomes. I think the most important data comes from that gap between who we think we are and how others experience us. And if that gap is wide, I think it leaves us feeling misunderstood and frustrated because we think we're having a certain impact, but it's not actually happening in reality. And we're wondering, I showed up like this and I expected this to happen, but it didn't. Why, why is nothing working for me? Why aren't my relationships? Why don't they feel stable? Why are people getting frustrated with me? And it's likely because you're not aware of how you're showing up to them, or you have a different perception of yourself. So all that boils down to three overarching questions that that come to self-awareness, which is number one, who do I think I am? Number two, how do I actually show up in my life and how closely aligned are those two things? I can say simply just hearing you talk about that. I know I have thought about that over the years of being a personal trainer, thinking this is what I'm about. This is who I am. And then getting a completely different response and not really knowing why from my client. And it's that kind of mismatch, I guess, of expectations that can be really frustrated and, and contribute to a lot of the burnout. One of the things I know I've talked to other coaches about, and I'm sure we'll talk about this on another episode is, well, if I'm turning up the way I think I should turn up, that's me being my authentic self. And if I'm not getting the response that I think I should get, maybe I'm just working with the wrong population. What I'd say to that is, you're probably not working with the wrong population choosing to change your communication style is part of your authentic self because you're making the choice on behalf of yourself. And that was a really, at least crystallizing moment for me through the years of being a coach was I am choosing to make this change that is authentic to me. And so I can better serve my clients because the overall goal was serve the clients better, give a better client experience, not hold on to my biases and hope that I find the right 
niche of people to, to work with. So slight side tangent there, but I can say hearing you just say that so many light bulbs and alarm bells going off in my head of, oh, I've been here and, and I'm sure we can continue to, to get better at it as coaches as well. So what great insight. You have anything else to add there, Jane? You you gave a, a, a non-specific but a personal example, and I have one I can share too. When I was early in my coaching career, I, I maybe at this point had been coaching group, group coaching for about a year. And I had a one-on-one meeting with my boss at the time, who was also a, a friend over the course of the year, we had become friends. <laughs> and in this one-on-one meeting, we sat down and he said to me, do you, do you know that you interrupt people a lot? And I was flooded with feelings of defensiveness and blame, just so much projection of who do you think you are? I don't interrupt people. I'm this kind Midwestern girl. That is not something that I do. I remember being feeling really attacked. Mm -hmm. So I left that meeting. I was really mad at him because I felt insulted. Well, what was fascinating was he planted a seed in my head. And over the course of the next several weeks, I noticed that I did interrupt people a lot. Yeah. Not usually to talk about myself, but more so to finish people's sentences because I, I would consider myself an empathetic person and I would use that as a tool to show people how, how much I was listening to them but I was still interrupting them nonetheless. And so over the course of several months, I was noticing it more and more. And because I was noticing it, I put myself in a position where I could start to stop it and not interrupt Mm -hmm. people and let them finish. Several months later, I went back to him and I apologized to him. And I said, you were right. I did interrupt people a lot. I had no idea. And I'm really sorry for the way that I reacted. Mm -hmm. So self-awareness, it doesn't always come from the self. A lot of times it comes from things, direct or indirect feedback we get from other people, but we need to be paying attention to those things because without that knowledge, we can't do anything about it. Yeah. It's the willingness to practice once you get that feedback that that is the self-awareness is the choice of this person knows nothing about me. I can stay insulted and I can pass this off as not my responsibility, or I can choose to do something about it, pay more attention to it. And Here's the thing, even if you were to choose to pay more attention to it and you still surmise that actually I don't interrupt people, this person was way off base, you're still being self-aware. It doesn't matter the outcome necessarily that you're getting to. The fact that you're practicing will likely lead you to the place that you need to go. It's simply the act of, as you mentioned earlier on, flexing that muscle. Yeah, well, what was interesting was I, so those three questions that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, the first one was, who do I think I am? And in that moment, I perceived myself to be a kind, empathetic, friendly, other-serving type of person. And then Mm -hmm. I got feedback that said I interrupt people. And to me, someone who interrupts someone is not someone that I would describe as being kind and empathetic and those things. And so there was an immediate conflict there or a gap of, I thought I was this type of person, but my behavior is reflecting someone that is not that person. How do I solve the gap that that's creating so that I'm actually showing up in the way that I'm intending to show up? And to harp on that again, the act of self-assessment, self-reflection, I'm sorry, of doing all that work actually shows that 
you are that kind, empathetic, outgoing person. You are others focused. So by doing that work, you even you strengthened your identity as those things as well. So I'm sure there's there's a positive feedback loop there that's being that's being strengthened for sure. Well, I'm glad okay, you see well, that. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. The the second question that I had for you was after all we've just spoken about, thinking about communication specifically, what can people be aware of then? What are some of the things that they can pay attention to so that they can work out whether they are on base or if there is a mismatch? Communication is a broad term. And to make Mm -hmm. it easier, there are four buckets we can break communication down into to where we can observe ourselves or how how we're Mm -hmm. showing up. Before I get into those four buckets, I want to first talk about the importance of remembering that self-awareness is about observation, not judgment. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? An observation would sound like, I notice that I go silent when I'm getting feedback because that feedback feels like I'm being attacked. That's an Mm -hmm. observation. I'm simply noticing that I'm going silent. Whereas if I were judging myself, that would probably sound like I should be happier about people giving me feedback. This matters because self-awareness is about acceptance. It's not about policing yourself. If I'm aware that I am someone who goes silent when I get feedback because I feel attacked, in the moment that I notice myself going silent, the simple observation of that, I'm empowering myself to do something about it. So I might ask, what about this specific situation or this person is leading me to feel threatened right now. And if I can Mm -hmm. accept that that's simply the reaction I'm having without judging it, I can do something about it. And the way that could come across is I might say to that person in that moment, I'm feeling really defensive right now. And I don't know why, maybe could you write this feedback in an email to me so I can process it. And then we can plan to meet and talk about it later. Objective, we're going for objective awareness here because it leads to acceptance. And when I'm in a place of acceptance of how I'm showing up, I can take an action on it. Whereas judgment is going to simply lead to feelings of blame and helplessness, and it doesn't lead to action. With that said, the four buckets of communication that you can be aware of are number one, your presence, two, how you structure information, three, how you express yourself, and then four, how you interact. Mm -hmm. If we go to number one, which is your presence, what do I mean by presence? Generally, it's how the feeling you give people when you show up. That feeling or that presence that you're creating in a room is coming from a couple of things. Number one, it's coming from how you look. Regardless of what you think about it, it's true. We we judge ourselves and we judge others based on our appearance and grooming habit habits because our appearance and grooming habits are an outward reflection of the amount of self-respect we have. If we show up in tattered clothes or we didn't shower that morning, we didn't put on deodorant, that sends a message to other people about how we feel about ourselves, which is going to influence how they feel about us. Mm-hmm. Also within presence is your body language. What what's the balance that you would say of open body language that you use versus closed body language? And then the third is how your voice sounds. Are you a soft-spoken person? Do you, are you more animated? 
Are you, would you consider yourself more even keel regardless of what's going on? What tone of voice do you tend to use? So within presence, you can be aware of your appearance. You can be aware of your body language and you can be aware of how your voice sounds. The second bucket is how you structure information. Generally, do you consider the order in which you're sharing information or do you just communicate in a stream of consciousness? Do you notice that when you speak to people that they, are, they get restless when listening to you, to you because maybe you're rambling? Do you know what your point is that you're trying to make before you start speaking or do you try and find your point along the way? How often do you find that you're actually getting through to the people you're communicating with in the way you understand? Or do you find that people are often asking you a lot of questions because they're confused? Mm -hmm. These are things that we can observe that would tell us how we're structuring information and what impact that's having. The third bucket is how you express yourself. This is really, it includes what methods of communication you use. Often we have preferences. Do you tend to default to texting people all the time because you don't like having face-to-face conversations? Do you like phone calls? Do you enjoy face-to-face conversations? So what can you be aware of when it comes to the channels that you're using to communicate? And then timing. Do you ever consider timing before you communicate? If you've got some, if you're going to confront someone about something, do you walk in and that's the first thing you do in the morning or do you wait till the end of the day so you don't ruin their entire day or, or create conflict that you then have to deal with for the rest of the day? So we have what channel, communication channels do you use? Do you consider timing? And then also within there, I would say the word choices that you make. And when I think about word choices, I think, do you try to sound smart or do you try and pick words that create understanding? And I don't think it needs to be go any deeper than that. What's more important, the, the impression that you're making or are you actually getting people to understand yeah. what it is that you've said because you're using plain spoken words? The fourth bucket is how you interact. This is anything that would any communication that's related to you interacting with other people, such as when you participate in conversations, you could ask what percentage of the time do I talk versus listen? Do I do more talking or more listening? Do I, am I the one in conversations who ask most of the questions or do I find that I'm the one answering most of the questions? Do I enjoy being in conversations or do I feel like conversations are a necessary evil? Do I find that I struggle to pick topics to talk about with people? Mm-hmm. Do we have conversations also within interactions is listening. How do you listen? Do you know if you were in someone else's shoes, what people see when you're listening? Do you face people and look them in the eyes when you're listening to them? Do you keep the attention on them or do you constantly shift the conversation back to something related to you? Do you ever leave conversations and you realize you didn't hear half of what they said and you have to go back and ask them to repeat themselves because you weren't listening? Do you actually enjoy the act of listening to people or would you rather be the one talking? And then finally, within interactions, I would also include how you handle conflict or difficult conversations. Do you get argumentative? Okay. Are you hot-headed? Do you, do you name call? Do you give people the silent treatment when you're really upset? Do you cry or get physically emotional? 
Do you apologize all the time, even for things that aren't your fault? Do you ever even apologize generally, even if something Mm -hmm. is your fault? So that's where I would say are the four buckets that what you could be become, begin to be aware of when it comes generally to communication. I feel like the last three or four minutes of what you've just said is enough to be its own. It's probably enough to be four podcasts. That level of content or that that quality of content is mind blowing. Just sitting here and listening to you, thinking all the ways that these things that you mentioned can can impact. Just the, in the, the even if just one of them was addressed or thought about, you could make such a massive impact. So. I think it would be helpful to, to recap there. When we went through these four buckets, we talked about presence, structuring information, how we express ourselves and, and how we choose to interact. During the presence aspect, you mentioned how we look, whether good or bad, it, it's part of how we perceive ourselves and how other people perceive us, our body language, and then our tone, how our voice sounds. Are we soft-spoken, are we animated, so on. And then you talked about structuring information, so do we generally speak conscious stream of thought? Do we define what we're going to talk about before we choose to talk about it? How do we structure the information so that the message is understood? I heard you say the third one, how do we express ourselves? And you used three key aspects, the channel, the, the choice. Do we prefer to text, phone calls, do face-to-face conversations? None of those are necessarily good or bad. And that you, you always do such a good job. I'm going to pay you a compliment here. You always do such a good job at giving objective feedback. There's no right or wrong there. There's probably more suitable and less suitable to certain circumstances and certain messages, which is something to consider as well. You mentioned also timing before we communicate. Am I going to drop a bomb on somebody right as they go to work on a Monday morning and run the risk of, of dismantling the rest of their week or potentially causing conflict? And then we talked about, well, you talked about the, the words that we use. Do we use words to try and sound smart to big ourselves up? Or do we use words to create understanding? And I think as coaches, having been a coach for a long time and worked with lots of coaches, that last one is definitely a point of contention, let's say, uh, something that we could all be more aware of. And the final bucket you talked about was how we interact. Do we listen more? Do we speak more? Am I more question asking or question answering? All those different ways that I could potentially show up and interact in a conversation. There were so many other great nuggets there. I imagine that people are going to be screenshotting parts of of this to to take away with them. Fantastic. I have one final question for you. So knowing all we know and and have listened to and, and understood all the things, things that you've already talked about what are some of the methods that I could use and others could use for example to become more aware of these things and and to develop my self-awareness the two that I have found most helpful are number one building in a daily journaling practice and then second Mm -hmm. recording yourself I would say get a, a cheap notebook Spend five to 10 minutes every single day, usually at the end of the day, and write down any of the more memorable interactions you had that day. Not only are you going to write down what those interactions were, but you're going to reflect on the, how you showed up in that interaction. What did you say? What did the other person say? When the other person said that, how did it make you feel? Did those feelings lead to you reacting 
a certain way? Were there things that you didn't say? Why didn't you say them? What about the situation or the person led you to not say them? Are there other ways you could have showed up? If I say, well, what if I would have said it this way instead? Then predicting what could have happened if I said it this way instead. So within a journal, I, this is a five to 10 minute process. At the end of every day, you simply write down, here were the interactions that were more memorable than I had today. From an objective standpoint, here's what was said by me and this other person, but here's what was going on inside of me as I was participating in that interaction. And how do I think that what was going on inside of me impacted how I showed up or what came out of mm -hmm. my mouth? The second one is recording yourself. I, I think recording yourself is priceless because it gives you the opportunity to see yourself from the outside. Watching ourselves on a recording is painful. <laughs> I do it a lot and it, for some reason, it doesn't get much easier, but it's essential if you want to see yourself through the eyes of another person. Can you record a phone conversation that you're having with a prospective client? Can you record one of your virtual training sessions? Can you set up a camera on the gym floor and record one of your group coaching sessions? Any chance you can go back and watch game film of yourself in communication scenarios, you'll, the things that you will notice about yourself, you'll be astounded because that you've probably been blind to a lot of things for a long time. And unfortunately, People fear giving us feedback about those things. So we have to create scenarios in which we can observe it for ourselves. Yeah. The good news about recording a podcast is that I get the cho choice to go and listen to it on Spotify later on. And I painfully did exactly what you said. It didn't get much easier, but I did go back. And hopefully there was some adjustments and, and improvements today based off what I thought and listened to and perceived about myself and, and the way that I showed up in our previous podcast to this podcast. So that's just a personal share with you. When you journal, if I can ask you, when you journal, is it more of a free form journal for you? Or do you have like a standard block of questions that you, you tend to answer for yourself? It's more free form for me. Mm -hmm. I tend to focus more so on the feelings that I experience in mm -hmm. interactions, because I find my actions are very motivated by what's going on inside of me from a feeling standpoint. So I tend to just more free form and focus more so on how did my feelings impact what came out of my mouth or how I showed up physically or vocally in that interaction. What about you? Sometimes done free form. I find it a little easier to have a, a simple framework. However, when I have done these things at the end of the day in that cheap notebook, as you mentioned, the two questions that I often ask myself are, Number one, what are some other possibilities? So very similarly to you, if I'm feeling a particular way about something, I try and just give myself other opportunities to say, well, what else could, what, what else could actually be happening? Is this, is this reality or is this just how you are feeling? And it makes me take a bit more of a zoomed out lens. And that I find that very helpful. And then the follow-up question to that is more about action. I'll ask myself, what do you want to do about it? What do you want to change? If anything, do you want to change anything about it? And it could be as something as simple as the next time you're in a situation that's similar to this, you might be more aware of it, or you might try this, or maybe you'll send a follow-up email and say, hey, I don't feel like I communicated my point very well earlier on, and I, I got more defensive. I'll try not to do that in the future. I've done both of those things and, and everything in between. 
So those two questions for me, what are some other opportunities and what are some other possibilities, sorry. And then what, if anything, do I want to change about it? They're my most structured questions, really. I love those. And they also empower you to inform other people on how they can help you show up in the way that you want. As an example, I find when I'm upset about something, I go silent at something I'm aware of. And I've told my husband, Brendan, I said, I do this when I'm really upset. I go within myself. I get really quiet. And I realize that I'm giving you the silent treatment. Sometimes I'm completely unaware that I'm doing this. Would you be willing to tell me, Hey, you're going silent right now. And you're giving me the silent treatment because in that moment, I might be so wrapped up in myself that I'm unaware of it. So Mm -hmm. I think going through the exercise that you just mentioned of what are some other outcomes I could create? And then is there an action I can take to change Mm -hmm. this same type of thing in the future that can allow you to coach people on how to help you show up in the way that you want, if you have that type of relationship with that person. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure we could sit here and, and, and share those instances throughout our work lives and our personal lives. And, and hopefully listeners can immediately click onto something and, and think to themselves, oh yeah, this is how I have done those things similarly to what you're sharing there. And, and then they can definitely relate to that. I'm sure they can, everybody's human. So great. Yeah. In closing, I would say to be self-aware, you need to be present to your thoughts. You need to be present to your feelings and your beliefs, because these three things are what drive all of your communication behaviors. Mm -hmm. As an example, if you have a belief that overhead, overhead athletes shouldn't be doing much overhead lifting, that belief is going to impact how you respond to someone who's sharing information with you about that topic. If during a conversation, you have a thought that the person you're speaking to isn't intelligent, that is going to show up in the way you listen and respond to that person because you're, you're judging them in that moment. You have a belief about them or a thought. If you can be aware of that belief or that thought in that moment, you can create power for yourself to change how you're showing up, which will lead to breakthroughs in your relationships and possibly even expand the knowledge that you have on a topic because you're not limiting it to what your current belief system is. You're allowing yourself to see that there are other other ways to look at something. There's other perspectives and there's probably something you don't know. I think it all goes back to what we said in the beginning, which is self-awareness is not the destination. It's not just about being self-aware because it's really easy to get wrapped up and constantly observing yourself. It's you need to do something with it. It's how do I want to act on this? Or maybe you don't want to act on it. It's just information that you have. It's a choice to take action or not take action, but both of those are a choice. And the final thing I'll say here about practicing this might sound almost overwhelming or it might feel clunky when we first do it. So it's very easy, like any other skill to, to say, oh, I'm not doing that today. It's too much work. I'm too tired at the end of the day. What I'll say is, as with any other skill, it might cost you lots of effort in the moment to pay attention to what is this belief I have about this person right now whilst they're talking to you. It might cost you, I don't know, what seems like a lifetime, it's maybe two seconds. You'll get so much faster and so much more kind of proficient, I guess, at being self-aware, just the more you flex that muscle as with any other skill, the 
bonus of this is it's not limited to just your job. It's every interaction that you ever have with another human being from now until forever. So maybe I'm biased here, but this is the root skill to practice to be able to open the door to being more receptive to, to the other communication skills that I'm sure we'll talk about for a long time to come. Couldn't agree more. Jay. <laughs> Nothing else to add. <laughs> yeah. Great uh, chatting. Thank you very much. Yeah. Let's yeah. wrap up. And for anyone who enjoyed this episode, I will be putting together a worksheet with some of these questions, these awareness questions on those four buckets of communication. If you want that, you'll have to sign up for the fit to speak newsletter and the link will be in the show notes to do that. Jay, great chatting. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the show. As this is a podcast about communication, we actually welcome your input, your feedback, and your questions about how we could make the show better for you. And we'd love it if you click the link in the show notes to do so. 